So, Matt, you know I'm a history buff, right? Right. Well, I'm reading this book called The History of Lubricants. <laughs> okay. It's non-friction. And welcome to the graveyard. Thank you for joining us tonight. My name is Adam. And my name's Matt. Now, pull up a tombstone or settle into your casket and get comfortable because this is Graveyard Tales. <laughs> All right. Matt, so I've been thinking since last week about how to get you back for all that noise in the <laughs> intro last time, but I figured out I got nothing because anything I do, I got to fix. <laughs> That's right. So I got nothing. You're safe. Yeah. Adam, Adam does all the editing, all of it. <laughs> so basically all I can think of is tonight, I'm just going to start throwing pins at you. I've got a stack of pins sitting over here. <laughs> He's going to be chucking these good and plenties we still have on the right. table. So if you hear, th- uh, that's me throwing a pen at Matt. Um, so last week, I taught Matt and all of y'all about the green children of Woolpit. So this week, Matt, what are you teaching me? Okay. So this event, just after 3 a.m. the morning of February 25th, 1942, Along the Southern California coast, cities were blacked out as military forces opened fire in retaliation to a supposed attack by the Japanese. Now, anti-aircraft fire, searchlights filled the sky for 30 minutes, and when the dust settled, no one was quite sure if anything they had been shooting. So tonight, I'm going to teach Adam and you guys about the Great Los Angeles Air Raid, otherwise known as the Battle of Los Angeles. And I'm excited about this because I know some, but I'm so glad that we did it to where we we have, well, Matt has, I haven't, but, you know, done some deep research into it so we can find out some more about this. Yeah. So, so this is, I mean, this is really a crazy event. And, and you can... You can put conjecture to this in a million different ways about yeah. what caused this, what really happened, what what he said, what they said, all this stuff, and it's all coming right on the heels of the Pearl Harbor attack. Right. So we're we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna dig into this. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you some background. We're gonna talk about the fallout, and then we're gonna kind of. Isn't that a video game? Yeah, it is. Okay, good. That I've never played. Me either. So it's, I'm glad you're telling me about it because I've never played it. But then we're going to talk about kind of uh, some some alternate theories about what might have happened. Okay, so so coming like I said, coming off the attack of Pearl Harbor on December seventh, nineteen forty one, the tensions were really high along the U.S. West Coast. I mean, and rightfully so. Sure. I mean, this was too close for comfort you know it, it was it was a horrible event but to think that the japanese had the ability to cross the pacific 
and perform an air raid on U.S. soil, that was terrifying. Sure. I mean, you know, it was horrific for the people in Hawaii. But if you're living on the West Coast, you're thinking, we're next. Oh, sure. Not I much mean, further. And you we got- are next. I mean, the very next day, the United States, you know, declared war. Right. And, and entered World War II. So y- you can imagine how everybody was feeling, especially in the time where, you know, your news came from TV, radio, newspaper. That was it. Right. You know, that was it. And you got what was put out there. There, there was no Fox News with their alternative theories. And, you know, there was no National Enquirer putting out, this is a government conspiracy. and None of that. Yeah. You got exactly what the media said. This is what really happened. There's That's so many had to go on. alternate news sources nowadays that it's hard to think about a time when we didn't have that, when we weren't bombarded with different theories, different ideas on the same topic, you yeah. know, and you didn't get, like you said, you didn't get the news until they told you, you yeah. know, it wasn't like you could open Facebook that day and you see all the news headlines before you even turn on the TV. Right. Right. So reports of Japanese submarines and warships were frequent, but usually they would investigate and find them out to be misidentified fishing boats, uh, logs, even whales were reported as being submarines. So, like I said, everybody, including the military, was on high alert. Now, this mass anxiety that was going on was only heightened after the U.S. Secretary of War, Henry Stimson, warned that American cities should be prepared to accept, quote-unquote, occasional blows from enemy forces. So now, now you've got Secretary of War, which I guess I'd, I'm not I'm not enough of a history buff to know when did they change it to the Secretary of Defense? It's the same it's the same position. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that sounds better than the Secretary of War. I don't know. I like Secretary <laughs> of War. I do too. It, <laughs> it makes you sound awesome. Don't mess with us. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but then again, then again, Secretary of War, that could be the guy that's just sitting over there taking notes about what's happening. Yeah. You know, filing letters and taking <laughs> notes about what's happening in war. Yeah. You know, like a stenographer, but the what, secretary what if it's of the war. The secretary of defense's secretary. Ah, secretary maybe so. Well, I get it. I mean, you know, secretary of war sounds like we're going to attack. Yeah. Secretary of defense says, don't attack us. Right. You know, it's like, okay. <laughs> Either way. Either way. I mean, just a tangent. Yeah. But I, 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 I prefer secretary of war. I'm just going to go on record. <laughs> So it was just a few days after Stimson made that statement on February 23rd that a Japanese submarine surfaced just off the coast of Santa Monica and launched over a dozen shells at an oil refinery. Now, there were no casualties in this event and only minor damage, but this event marked the first bombing of the U.S. mainland in World War II. So... You've had Pearl Harbor, and now you have this event. And, you know, people are scared. Oh, sure. I mean, people are really, really scared. Can't imagine what people are going through, you know. And, you know, I've talked to enough people. I've got enough friends that have been in the military to say, when when you're in conflict, this idea of, 
civilians are scared, but these the, these military guys they they got it. Look, they're scared too. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're scared. But they're they're out there getting the job done, right? But, but they're scared too. Oh, sure. I mean, they're human. So, they're so but they know how to handle that and right. rise above it. So you've got you've got West Coast military bases on alert. These guys are scared. Sure. They're going to do their job, but they don't. They don't want to have to fight off enemy troops on their own home turf. Mm-hmm. I mean, nobody wants that. So everybody is just. I mean, they're like you know, like my grandmother used to say, a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs. Oh yeah, you know, I like that like, saying. You know, just I mean, totally on edge. And so, with good reason to be braced for another attack. You know, the military uh, was making preparations all along the coast. Now, Southern California cities were instructed to be ready for a possible strike. Now, at 2 a.m. on February 25th, there were reports of possible enemy aircraft being picked up on radar just 120 miles west of Los Angeles. That's not far. Mm Mm-hmm. A citywide blackout was put in place in preparation and searchlights filled the sky looking for, you know, any, any enemy aircraft. So imagine you're living in Los Angeles at this time and all of a sudden the power goes out in the entire city. You know, streets are deserted. You know, people are taking shelter. I mean, this is it. Yep. So, you know, everybody is hunkered down and we've got reports of, you know, enemy planes just 120 miles off the coast. Now, just after 3 a.m., that's when the shooting started. Now, following reports of an unidentified object in the skies, troops in Santa Monica unleashed a barrage of anti-aircraft and 50 caliber machine gun fire. Before long, many of the city's other coastal defense weapons had joined in. So, it it really appeared that Los Angeles was under attack. Yet many of those who looked up saw nothing but smoke and the glare of U.S. fire. Right. So Colonel John G. Murphy would later write about the incident, stating that, quote, cold detachment disclosed no planes in the sky, friendly or enemy. Hmm. So, I mean, now, you know, everybody's on alert. You've got reports of planes 120 miles off the coast. An hour later, Nothing. The, the, the shooting starts. And, and now you've got a, a colonel going, well, we, we, don't, we didn't really see any planes. Okay. <laughs> then why were you shooting? Uh, yeah, exactly. So by the time the final all-clear order was given later that morning, the Los Angeles artillery batteries had pumped over 1,400 rounds of anti-aircraft ammunition into the sky. Yet no bombs were dropped on the city and no planes were brought down. And according to the general, there wasn't nothing up there, there, there to no shoot at. There were no planes up. Yep. They're just shooting at the empty sky. Now, the only real damage during the quote-unquote battle had come from friendly fire. So anti-aircraft shrapnel rained down across Los Angeles, shattering windows and ripping through buildings. Now, we said one dud 
actually went into a Long Beach golf course. And several residents had their homes partially destroyed by a three-inch artillery shell. Oh, wow. I mean, and again, I'm, you know, if I'm, I'm in my house and I'm looking out and all of a sudden half my house is like, boom, I'm like, oh, we're under attack. Yeah. Well, that, not knowing that it's from us. Right. It, it's, <laughs> it's us shooting us. You right. Know? But that makes me think of uh, last time I was there in Dallas, a big storm came through, kind of like the one we got coming through here right now. So if you hear thunder, that's what that is. Um, it's not us getting attacked. That's right. LA, um, (laughs) anti-aircraft. Yeah. Uh, but last time I was there, a big storm came through and it blew over a construction crane in downtown Dallas. That crane hit an apartment building. It completely wiped out the parking garage, but went into people's apartments and destroyed it. And one guy that was interviewed said, I was just sitting there watching TV. And then this crane destroyed the other half of my apartment. Can you imagine? I mean, it, it's the same thought of this shell coming through yeah. your house. You're sitting there minding your own business, and all of a sudden, part of your house is gone, you know, for no reason. It's crazy. Yeah. I can't imagine. Yeah, that, it's insane. And you you can only imagine what these people must have thought. Oh, yeah. I end mean, of this, the world. This is it. It's the end of the world. Yep. You know, it, it's here. Um. But, you know, there were really no serious injuries from the event. It it was reported that at least five people had died as a result of heart attacks and car accidents that occurred during the extended blackout. Now, in a preview of the hysteria that would soon uh, accompany the Japanese internment, uh, authorities arrested some 20 Japanese Americans for allegedly trying to signal the non-existent aircraft. Oh, God. (laughs) <laughs> talk about reactionary yeah talk about dumb you know yeah. hey you you look japanese we're arresting you yeah because for no reason non-existent japanese planes just flew over los angeles and didn't drop any bombs and we shot at and stuff and didn't hit anything and then on. we even said that there wasn't anything there but we're still arresting you uh, i mean fantastic job no kidding so, I mean, good grief. So, I mean, imagine that. You're a Japanese-American living in Los Angeles. All of a sudden, you're getting arrested. You're like, what the heck did I do? Yeah, exactly. You know? Exactly. I'm I'm an American, for crying right. out loud. <laughs> right. Uh, so, what the hell was everybody shooting at? Who knows? <laughs> well, I mean, really? I mean, yeah. what happened? So, some witnesses reported that they actually did see something. But the reports vary significantly. Now, reports poured in from across the city describing Japanese aircraft flying in formation, bombs falling, and seeing enemy paratroopers. Yeah, Adam's looking at me like, what? So (laughs) where are these reports coming from? From eyewitnesses in the city. So mostly civilians, but a lot of military all said we saw something but you know the description makes me wonder were if you saw something in the sky were you just assuming it was a plane because you thought it was gonna be a plane right okay um if you saw burning shrapnel falling to the earth is that a paratrooper is that you know japanese troops coming down um whatever i mean you know 
if you've already got in your mind what it should be, then in the middle of the night, in the dark, during a blackout, and you're panicked. True. Yeah. I mean, you know, you you could say, oh, that's exactly what that is. Yeah. You know, I saw it with my own eyes. Like, like you said, if you see shrapnel falling and there's flashes of anti-aircraft in the background and you just see these, uh, you know, black dots falling and it's shrapnel, you may think it's paratroopers. So yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. There was even a claim that a Japanese plane crash landed on the streets of Hollywood. What movie was that? Uh, no, no kidding. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, I, I guess I, I can understand people mistaking something they see from a distance in the air, but yeah. it'd be hard to mistake a, a, a Japanese fighter plane crash landing on Hollywood Boulevard. Right. Well, <laughs> and, you know, by the rule that I've always gone by, Never trust anything that comes out of Hollywood. <laughs> you know, it, it's going to fool you. <laughs> That's right. That's right. You know, but, uh, well, Hollywood in 1941 wasn't the same as it is now. <laughs> That's a valid point. <laughs> I still wouldn't trust anything that came out of it. No. For different reasons. Right. <laughs> now, um, coastal artilleryman Charles Patrick was quoted as saying, I could barely see the planes, but they were up there all right. I could see six planes, and shells were bursting all around them. Naturally, all of us fellows were anxious to get our two cents worth in, and when the command came, everybody cheered like a son of a gun. And these guys were ready to fight. Yeah. And maybe they were so amped up to fight that they were seeing something that wasn't really there because they were ready to go. True. You know, some people called it, you know, they were just, they were trigger, trigger happy, triggy, triggy happy. I can't talk (laughs) trigger happy because of every, all the events that had led up to this. Right. And, and I get being trigger happy, but I don't know if being trigger happy would cause you to make up a story that elaborate. Yeah. But understand somebody like an artilleryman. They're not given the order to fire. Mm-hmm. Somebody way above them is given that order. So somebody much higher up had to determine there's something up there that we need to take yeah, down. Believe there was a threat. Yeah. Yeah. So y- you can believe or disbelieve what these military troops saw or thought they saw on the ground, but these higher ups, they had enough data that made them believe. We've got to shoot, and we got to shoot now. Mm-hmm. Okay, that right there makes me feel like there was something there. I I don't know what, but I don't think it was just uh, an empty sky, right? And and everything was just fabricated in the minds of of people just being panicked. Yeah, well, you know, knowing knowing the military and having family in the military and everything it's rare that they make a big rash decision like that because, Mm -hmm. because you have to think of public fear. And when you do something like that, the first response is going to be mass hysteria with the public. And, you know, the military is trained to handle stuff like that. They're trained under that pressure. The general public is not. Well, you're going to create more problems for yourself as a military individual by doing something like that when it's not warranted. 
So something like a full blackout and fire an anti-aircraft artillery at something is your last resort. You believe that there is a threat to the public before mm-hmm. you would put them through something like that. Yeah. And, and, and in case you, you know, aren't, aren't following, you know, blacking out the city was a defense mechanism. You know, we're going to, we're going to take away a ground visual, you know, right. for a night attack. So they can't know. see buildings or anything. Right. Yep. You know, it's, we're going to, maybe we can protect sensitive targets if the whole city is blacked out. Right. You know, but it's a whole city and there's, there's life going on in an mm-hmm. entire city and you black that out for hours. That alone was enough to cause considerable panic. Right. So secretary of war, Henry Stimson, here he is again, our, our beloved secretary of war. He stood behind the army brass that stated there were at least 15 planes that buzzed the city. It keeps growing. It keeps growing. That's exactly <laughs> right. So now we've got unidentified objects to 15 planes, at least 15. But now yeah. we put a number on it. So you put a number on something, well, it's got to be real. Somebody was able to count 15. Yeah. Okay. Higher than I can count without taking my shoes <laughs> off. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but, you know, Stimson took it a step further, mentioning the possibility that the possibility that enemy agents had taken over commercial aircraft in order to strike fear into U.S. citizens. Where did that theory come from? Uh, his rear end, I'm assuming, because <laughs> I'm like, how is this helping the situation at all? Yeah, that's not. You know, you're you're causing more panic. Yep. Now, he would later recant this statement, but it still didn't change the fact that there were thousands of military personnel and civilians who claimed to have seen planes over Los Angeles. So according to an editorial in the New York Times, some eyewitnesses had spotted a big floating object resembling a balloon. Now, others say they had spotted anywhere from one plane to several dozen. And the editorial was quoted as saying, The more the whole incident of the early morning of February 25th in the Los Angeles district is examined, the more incredible it becomes. (laughs) Just as Adam said, it keeps getting bigger. Yeah. You know, and and things like this typically do. I mean, you know, this was a big event for sure. But with all of the, well, what was it or what wasn't it? You know, that's just. It's just going to lend itself to bigger, more outlandish stories, you know, sure. more eyewitnesses coming out of the woodwork to say, you know, we saw this or that or whatever. Yeah. So now in 1983, the Office of Air Force History outlined the events of the L.A. air raid and noted that meteorological balloons had been released prior to the barrage to help determine wind conditions. There we go. Their lights and silver color could have been what first triggered the alerts. Once the shooting began, the disorienting combination of searchlights, smoke, and anti-aircraft fire 
might have led gunners to believe that they were firing on enemy planes even though none were actually present. Now, after the war, the Japanese officially stated that they had never flown any planes over Los Angeles during World War II. Which is funny when I read that statement, because I thought, they said during World War II. This was Well, when else are they flying planes over Los Angeles? Yeah, yeah. That, <laughs> it's true, but then this was before World War II, technically, technically wasn't it? Well, this is, this is during. So all of this is during World War II. Okay. So, you know, we, we just hadn't entered it yet. Okay. All right. You know, so. Messed up on my dates a little bit as yeah, to when so, we started. When yeah, it, December 7th, 1941, Pearl Harbor happens. December 8th, the U.S. is at war. Okay. All you right. know, we're, we're, we're in it to win it. Yep. And, and I didn't finish that, but. <laughs> <laughs> PG so, show. So uh, <laughs> what were, what you just said, that, that last little thing that we just went through. What you're saying is that in 1983, the air force history organization or whatever Mm -hmm. said that the military confused weather balloons for enemy action. You got it. All I can say is what the hell? You think they're, I mean, you think they're that dumb? Yeah. Really? Yeah. That That's degrading to our military, and that's coming from our military, a, a, a part of the military, the, the Air Force history mm-hmm. junk <laughs> that apparently is not good at it because yeah. they think that our military confused a weather balloon, probably right. filled with swamp gas with an owl riding on top of it. <laughs> stole my joke turkey <laughs> hey you've stolen mine too so <laughs> tit for tat buddy adam i can tell he's looking he's looking at my notes and the next heading in my notes is weather balloons really you know that's exactly what I, you know i'm thinking yeah a weather balloon yeah i just why was it always weather balloons i mean i've never seen a weather balloon but yet we, we apparently send up thousands of these things. Yep. You know, they're all over the place. One time I saw a video of them releasing a weather weather balloon, but I've never seen one personally. Yeah. Never. I've, I've never seen one. I've seen them on in pictures and stuff, but I have never, I have never been outside and looked up and gone, what the heck hey, is that? Weather balloon. Hey, yeah. it must be a weather balloon. Yep. I've never seen one. No. But like you said, apparently they're everywhere. I'm, you know, I'm a city boy. Maybe they just don't fly them in the city. This is Los Angeles. Yeah, that's you know? the city. Yeah. That's more city than we're city. So, so yeah, so, you know, think uh, think about that. You know, the, the next line in my notes is they, they may, might as well have claimed that they were owls. <laughs> Thanks, Adam. Hey, no worries. And see, I didn't see that set know, of notes. He didn't see this. <laughs> it's on another page. So, but, but, but I'm just yeah, reading I mean, your mind. The, I, I, I love to think that the owl is... The modern day weather balloon yep. and swamp gas. Yep. You know, it well, really is. This is what we're going to say it is. Yeah. I mean, it's a. We've got no other explanation. <laughs> yep. It's a scapegoat. It's like we've said before, the low hanging fruit. Yeah. You know. And so just remember 
we haven't inferred as to what it could be yet. We've, we're just we're still trying to decide, was it anything? Were they shooting at anything at all? Or were they shooting at something? I tend to believe they were shooting at something. Me too. I don't, I don't know what, but based on how things folded out, they, they spotted something on radar. Okay? You know, military bigwigs had enough information to say, we could be under attack and we need to open fire. Okay, eyewitnesses on the ground, military eyewitnesses claim to have seen something Mm -hmm. that they were firing at. So you take those three things into account. You can you can close out all the other stuff. Right. All all the, you know, Joe Schmo living in his house in the Hollywood Hills saying there's a plane that just crashed in my front yard. You can take all that junk. Yeah. Those three things to me are an indicator that they were firing at something. Like we've said, trust the military. You know, when they say they've seen something, they're risking their careers Yeah, to say that. So, I, I mean, you know, so what else could it be? You know, I know it was a, it was an owl wearing a cowboy hat, riding an <laughs> atom bomb that was dropped out of the back of a plane. And, and, he, and he got there riding the Loch Ness Monster. Right. So if you, if you don't believe that it's weather balloons, which... Adam and I do not. And Apparently. If the Japanese didn't fly any planes over this area, and thousands of eyewitnesses claim to have seen something over the city, what was it? So, you know, the, the, the theories abound. But it was 40 years later before anyone ever mentioned the idea that what was flying over the city of Los Angeles that night was a spacecraft. And and I say the word spacecraft because if we don't know what it is and it was something, it's a UFO. Right. No matter <clears throat> what. Doesn't mean it was an alien ship. Exactly. But it was unidentified. It was flying and it was an object. Right. So by definition, it's a UFO and we were shooting at it. Right. Now, whether or not it was piloted by creatures from another planet, mm-hmm. you know, we can theorize that all night. And we just might. I was going to say, we may. <laughs> but, um, you know, there, there was this idea that came about in the early 80s that this event was actually a visitation by an alien spacecraft. and. Eyewitnesses claim that we hit it many, many times and did no damage. It did not go off track. It certainly didn't come down. Right. In fact, nothing came down, which I think goes back to, if it was a weather balloon, I think we, we would have shot that down. Sure. And we, I've even got a military person that's quoted as saying, Surely to God, we would have been able to shoot down a weather balloon. That's that. That's my thing, is if you've got trained military personnel shooting, that's their job. They're trained to shoot and kill. Yeah. And if they're shooting at something, you're telling me every single one of those people missed the weather balloon? Because I'm sorry, but a weather balloon is not going to hold up to anti-aircraft fire. It's going to take it down. Or you're going to have little pieces of it floating down 
mm-hmm. and you'll be able to find it later. That's right. There there would be some physical evidence of, you know, a, a firefight. Yeah. You know, there there would be your, your shrapnel and junk, but there would be some enemy shrapnel and, and junk, junk. In, that, <laughs> in that too. Right. And there wasn't. Everything they found was U.S., you know, or origin. Right. Okay. But some really credible people have hitched their wagon to the idea that not only have we been visited, but they claim that the photos taken during the Battle of Los Angeles are evidence of the visitation. So you can look at this. If you search the the Battle of Los Angeles, this is what comes up, this photograph. And this was what ran in the newspapers nationwide. It's an image of the dark night sky. The rise of the dark night? Or just the dark night? The dark night, the, the, the night sky <laughs> over Los Angeles with spotlights streaming up and you can see what are like explosion bursts all around. And there is in the center what appears to be an object that is the focus of these spotlights. Now. The debunkers take two big things into consideration about these photographs. This one in particular. Right. Number one, the photo was touched up. Not to make it look like an alien. Because as I said, it was the 80s before this UFO alien idea came about. This was common practice. Photography equipment wasn't what it is today. You know, they, they weren't out there going, I got to get this raw image so I can edit it. Yeah. And so, I'm, you know, Adam's, Adam's pulling the picture up right now, and we'll, we'll, we'll post this so yeah. everybody can see it. Um, but in the center, you can see that there's something there. Now, like I said, the debunkers say the touching up of the photos just over-dramatized what's actually in the picture, and it gives the appearance that there is a craft in there Somewhere. Mm-hmm. Okay. Kind of got an outline of something. Yeah. So they're they're saying that, yeah, this, this photo is evidence that the event actually happened. It's not evidence of, you know, an alien spacecraft. But if you look at this picture, there's something about it that is very interesting. The spotlights are focused on something. Now, even if that little, the little silhouette of what looks like, you know, a saucer right, right in this area right. here, even if that's just a result of touching up the photo. What look are those a, things? Yeah. You, if you look around it, and this is the play along at home game, so you guys can, uh, can pull up the photo. Um, if you look around it, you, you can see. You can see the halo of of the explosions, and you can see the outline of the craft. But what I'm really focused on is that all the spotlights from all these angles are focused on it. Right. So if there was nothing, if there was nothing there, as some, some of these military guys have said, there was nothing there. 
what are they focused on? Yeah, why are they all in the same area? Wouldn't they be 12 spotlights in random areas? Right. You know, how how patient of a photographer or how much film do you have to click through to catch the photo at the exact moment when all of those spotlights converge on nothing to make it look like they're converging on something. Right. So my thought process is, is seeing that and seeing those spotlights converge, give an indicator that there's something there. So, you know, if it's a weather balloon, okay, they're focused on a weather balloon. It's not nothing. It's right. there's there's an object up there that they're focused there's on. Obviously, something. There's an object that people are shooting at. But but if if it's a weather balloon, we should have blown that sucker to mm-hmm. smithereens. There's no way. And they're real quick to show weather balloon quote weather balloon material in a, in several other cases. Mm-hmm. So why if this is a weather balloon, where was the material? quote unquote material from the weather balloon. Right. Exactly. And they said there was nothing found. So okay. So contradicting their own story, it seems. Exactly. Now, eyewitness C. Scott Littleton in 2010 stated in a talk for MUFON LA that the object appeared to be hovering motionless directly overhead. You know, his statement was he walked outside, he looked up, and he could see this thing. Now, it was not moving in a manner that a plane would move. He mm-hmm. says it, it felt like it was hovering, just hanging in the air. Um, now, Captain Robert Salas, uh, U.S. Air Force retired. Now, he's the one I was mentioning earlier. He stated that if it was indeed a weather balloon, it's like how in the world would mi- the military be unable to shoot it down? Now, he goes on to say, that these objects have been reported by military forces all over the world, that this is not a one-time deal. But they have had no success in bringing them down or fully identifying them. And interestingly enough, that Captain Salas has a history of UFO encounters. Now, he testified about an incident in March of 1967 where he claims that 16 nuclear missiles became non-operational at two different launch facilities immediately after guards reported seeing UFOs hovering above. Now, according to his testimony, these objects were only about 30 feet up, but the guards were unable to identify them, meaning they they were something they had never seen. Right. So they they couldn't put put a name to it. 30 feet, you would think you'd be able to see markings from enemy plane. Right. You know, sure. you'd be able to see the flag pasted on the back of the tail of the plane. Yeah. Something. I always use this when I'm, when I'm trying to relay how close something was. Think about a basketball goal. Most everybody has stood under a basketball goal. That's 10 feet. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's just 10 feet. Stack two more on top of it, and that's 30 feet. If you're in a gymnasium, that's not even at the ceiling yet. Right. And you could pretty much see just about anything from something that's flying above you at 30 feet. Sure. You know, you, you could, you could almost, you know, see the nose hear, hairs of hear the what jerk. the, hear what their radio station is. Right. <laughs> so that's close, but these guys weren't able to identify. Thank you for letting us in. We are the haunted heart 
Two best friends joined together by a twisted fascination with magic, madness, and the macabre. Join us on our journey, where we are sometimes deep. Some... What? Did the music just cut out? Oh, shit. I can't hear it, Kenny. Is it... I can't hear it either. Did you not get a clip that was long enough for the promo? Oh, God. Oh, you know what? You know what? F*** it. We're trash talent. That's a fair point. This is a podcast for people who like trash. And we are trash. And we like to talk about all things macabre, witchy, true crime, and anything else our little haunted hearts fancy. So join us for new episodes every Wednesday. Tune in to The Haunted Heart wherever you listen to podcasts. And, and as, as always, always, stay spooky. Now, also during his testimony, he refers to a similar event happening in August of 1966, the previous year, at a launch control facility in Minot, North Dakota, where an object was reported on radar as well as visually. And the launch control center lost communications for a brief period. They had the exact same weaponry and missile control that the facilities where Robert Salas reported, you know, the sightings and the 16 missiles that became non-operational. So his theories, and, and they're, they're plenty. If, if you just Google this guy's name, he's got plenty of things that he's been involved in talking about UFO sightings and possible spacecraft related to military uh, events. Right you know, or military sites. So, I mean, that's, that's a story for another time. I mean, we, we could do a show just on that guy. Um, but it's very interesting and, and it's kind of cool to watch. And, and when you listen to this man talk, he does not sound crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, he sounds like he retired from the military Yeah, and, and he's serious. Yeah. And, you know, he, he kind of demands some attention when he speaks um, and you know, what he's saying is believable. And right. I certainly don't think that of these events, you know, he would, um, he, he would necessarily be falsifying sworn testimony. You know, he's, he's telling what, what they perceived really happened. Right. Well, and think about this, uh, this happened right at the, the cusp of world war two. During the war, we have lots and lots of testimony about Foo Fighters. Mm -hmm. So unidentified balls of light flying around planes. So this continued something to this effect of an unidentified something around military personnel continued through the entire war. So it wasn't just this one isolated event, you know, now maybe I'm drawing conclusions where I don't need to draw conclusions, you know, connecting dots that aren't connected. But it seems weird to me that the war starts, then we get an unidentified craft above Los Angeles. We fully get into the war and then we've got Foo Fighters hanging around, you know, German, American. British and Japanese airplanes. Yeah. Seems a little funny to me. Yeah. But, you know, just for the record, Dave Grohl texted earlier and mm-hmm. he said he was nowhere near 
Los Angeles in 1942. I don't believe him <laughs> because that man has been in everything. He yeah, has worked with everywhere. He's worked with everybody, so I don't believe him. Say what you want, Dave, but <laughs> I I've met Nate and Taylor. Yeah. They told me Dave was involved. <laughs> so take that, Dave. So, you know, a lot of people still had this idea that this was a case of mass hysteria for everybody, for everybody involved, the military, the military brass, the civilians, everybody I just, you know, they were, they were panicked. And, and like I said, at the top of the show, rightfully so. Sure. I mean, you know, we just had, you know, this, this tragic event, on the bombing of Pearl Harbor, two days prior, you actually had a bombing on U.S. soil mainland. Mm -hmm. I mean, like I said, everybody's thinking, where next? Yep. And now two days later, this happens. The things that were already going through people's mind must have been outrageous. So it's not unheard of. And I don't doubt for a minute that a lot of people saw nothing but believe they saw you know Japanese zeros and mm -hmm. paratroopers and bombs and things that there was absolutely no evidence was ever there right but I've just gotten to the point now we've done this for long enough that I've gotten to the point where I hate the phrase mass hysteria oh no mass I hallucinations I hate it I'm sorry but not everybody's going to hallucinate the same thing. Right. If you're inside your brain hallucinating, your brain, thankfully, is not like my brain. Yeah. So, speaking of hallucinations, uh, Dr. Robert Marcus, he started to look into this. He's a psych psychologist, and he started to look into this. He was studying hallucinations during wartime related to PTSD. Because of reports of similar things happening during wartime, seeing unidentified objects during wartime and the belief that these soldiers were in such a traumatic state that they hallucinated seeing these things. That makes sense. I, I feel like I just rambled on that. So I get you. He, he's saying soldiers are hallucinating the sightings of UFOs during wartime. Uh, because they're freaked but, out. Because they're freaked out. Yep. Okay. But after investigating this, he determined that not all of them were hallucinating. That some of them were actually giving descriptions of what they saw. And that, and that's a curious thing because it's it's one of those situations where you hear police detectives talk about when they're getting somebody's statement and they're telling their story. They said, you know, when, when people are, are telling the truth and they get kind of this distant look, he's like, they're visualizing what happened in their head mm -hmm. so they can relay the event to you. Like, you know, people that are making it up as they go along, you know, don't ever have to do that because right. they're just, they're generating new thought the whole time. Right. They're not remembering. It's just constant BS. You right. Know. So what 
what he's saying is these people that are describing what they saw are they're they're thinking back well it was like this and this is where it was and this is how long it was up there and this is what i saw written on it or it had a door or it moved this way they're given descriptors that are indicative of this is what i saw Mm -hmm. and i'm going to tell you about it not i thought or i'm i'm just relaying this you know bizarre hallucination and he was beginning to see differences in the stories. Sure. So that prompted him to investigate a little bit further. And what he did was he first started looking at the Vietnam War and the reports that came out very similar to the Battle of Los Angeles of UFOs during conflict. Mm-hmm. His theory is that we are being visited, whether they're... It's an alien life form, whether it's interdimensional, whatever, they are here and they are witnessing how we fight. And Adam and I were talking about this right before we started recording. Yep. Why would aliens be interested in how we fight? Several reasons. A lot of reasons. You know, they want to know what kind of weapons these guys got. Right. You know, how do they fight amongst one another? You know, is there enough dissension that we could come in here and take over? Yeah. Maybe they have weapons that we haven't thought of. Or maybe we've seen a weapon that we need to build a defense for if we're ever going to revisit. And think about that last one that you just said there real quick. Battle of Los Angeles. They're firing upon a ship, a supposed ship that's hovering above the city. Nothing happens to this ship. Mm-hmm. Is that a test of their defenses to make sure that they are strong enough to handle what we've got at the time? Yeah. You know, and if so, guess what? They won. Mm-hmm. But perhaps that's it. If this guy is correct, and this is the theory that we're going with, then they're testing their shields, their defenses against what we've got to see, okay, if we have to do anything to these lowly humans here, then are we going to be able to defend ourselves? And sure enough, they are. Yeah. I kind of think that if we're going down this path, it's, it's less ominous than that. It's an idea of, you know, another life form species or whatever. They're not necessarily saying, okay, can we defend ourselves against them so we can take them over? It's can we defend ourselves against them when we finally reveal ourselves to them? Because these lunatics are just going to shoot us out. Yeah, of the and sky. just going to freak the hell out and you know trying to blow so us we, up. We got to show up with something that says, "Okay, are you done shooting at us? Okay, mm-hmm. we, we come in peace." You know? Yeah, settle down, <laughs> dummy. We've yeah. been waiting all these years for you guys to chill out, but right. you keep fighting with one another yeah and we just thought well we're gonna watch and see how this plays out (laughs) yeah and and we have proven that we shoot first and ask questions later that's right you know as as a species as a species exactly you know know? for centuries we have fired first it's that whole shoot them all and let god sort them out Uh, thing you know and if that's the case, then they're absolutely right yeah. in doing that, yeah. testing to make sure that 
we don't kill them in our freak out fire mode, you know? <laughs> ah, da, 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 da. exactly. You know, I mean, my thought, my thinking is, is that if if they had this much technology, we'd already be toast if they wanted us to be. Oh, sure. I mean, if they've got technology in 1941 that can withstand this much, you know, firepower. Hell, if they can get here. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> if they can get here, we're, t- we're, we stand no chance. Right. <laughs> yeah. So it would be like Mars attacks. We went to know? the moon once and then we're like, well, I don't know. I mean, we want to go back, but I don't have enough gas. And, and they're like, and yet there's still people that believe we didn't even do that. Yeah, so. I know. But yeah, I, <sighs> I'm, I'm thinking, you know, look, if, if, alien, if there was, if there is a alien life forms out there with, it's like Adam said, with the technology to even get here, you know, we're, we're sunk. Yep. <laughs> yep. I mean, we just better hope that they just decide we're just going to keep watching these clowns. Yep. Either <laughs> either that or they take us out in one fell swoop and like the whole earth yeah, is gone just know. wiped. Yeah, I mean, we blink yeah, and just vaporize. Then we're not blinking anymore, you know, <laughs> not a whole war. But I really I really thought this was this was fantastic because it's not only a unique, mysterious kind of story that fits right into graveyard tales, but it's it's a piece of American history. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love you know war history. And for those of you in America, you may not have heard this. That's true. You know? I mean, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of people. I mean, I was I was really unfamiliar with it when I started. I mean, it, it's not something that's just a mainstream. You're not going to open up a history book in no. school and find this. No. I mean, you're just not, um, but it is a real event that happened in U S history. And, you know, if it was nothing, if it was absolutely nothing, it's still an amazing story in history. Yeah. I mean, this is the story of how the, the United States military in the city of Los Angeles panicked themselves into firing into an empty night sky. Yeah, if that if that's what it is, I mean that that's pretty crazy that something freaked people out that much. Yeah. Something. And you know, I, I can't think of another time in history and me being, you know, I'm not the biggest history buff in the world, but I, I am a fan of historical events and I can't think of another time that we've had this big a to-do over just freaking out, this public an action over nothing. Yeah, and I think that events like, you know, the War of the Worlds broadcast, you know, it it brought on panic, you know, across, you know, most of the country Mm -hmm. because people legitimately believed that we were under attack. Right. And... You know, something like this, it, it it's really strange to me that there's no documented record of anyone suggesting that that's what this was, an alien attack or visitation. They didn't mm-hmm. really attack. They just kind of were like, hey. Yeah. So. And we were like, ah. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
until the 1980s. Right. I mean, somebody may have said it. It's just not documented. Right. Well, and even the War of the Worlds broadcast, guess what? The military didn't shut down cities and start firing up in the sky. Oh, yeah. So, you know, there was an instance of public panic, but the military held it together. They didn't start firing right. at, you know, at seagulls or something, <laughs> you know. Owls. Yeah. But, you know, and you make a good point that this was a, a, a fictionalized event in War of the Worlds that, that caused a panic. This was a real event. Mm-hmm. This was really happening. Something and, legitimately happened. And panic ensued yep. immensely. Uh, you know, really as it should have. Yeah, but I mean, it, if you got something you don't know during war flying over your country, yeah, you know, you're going to take action. But like I said, e- even if it was nothing, it it's still a, an incredible story. Mm-hmm. And... uh that's all I got about it. Yeah. So tell us what you think. Exactly. Do you, have you heard about it before? And do you think it's bunk? Do you think they fired upon a weather balloon with an owl up atop it? Or do you think it was yeah. a visitor from another world? Or or did we just have really bad aim and there was a plane in the, the sky and we just... <laughs> they just flew all, around and we're like, yeah, we're out. All of our military fired upon it and it's like an old... Warner Brothers cartoon where the planes are like folding in half to get around <laughs> bombs and stuff. Exactly. Exactly. But let us know. Let us know what you think. Do you, do, do your own research and uh, drop it in the group. Like I said, you're going to be able to see this photograph. If you mm-hmm. Google it, you'll see it. We'll we'll post it in there too. Um, and, and tell us what you think about the picture. You know, it yep. looks like there's something there they're shooting at. Go to the website. It'll be up on the website. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of the website, it's graveyardpodcast.com, and you'll be able to see this photo and other photos. You can also listen to the show, uh, and you can become a patron. And we like to thank everyone that has, has donated to the show because it, yes, it, keeps, thank you. it keeps Adam and I going, and it keeps the show um, at the quality that we want to provide. Um, but check us out on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You just have to search Graveyard Tales. We do have a fantastic Facebook group family, um, so if you're inclined, jump in there. This is where these discussions will happen, and uh, we've got some really fantastic folks that are in there. Watch out for Weird Uncle Bill. Though. Watch out for Weird Uncle Bill. He smells funny. And I don't think I've said this, but rate and review us on iTunes. Yes. I've never <laughs> I, heard you say that before. I've never. I, this is, <laughs> you know, 60-some-odd episodes in, and I've never said it. 70-something. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. See, I lose track. So, But rating and reviewing us on iTunes brings us up the charts, and that allows more people to come to the grape. Mm-hmm. So if, if you if you want to support the show, that's one of the absolute best ways to do it. And so thank you for everyone that has. And until next time, we'll save you a seat in the graveyard. See you soon. 